listening to the Home is Where the Art Is podcast. This week with me, Heather Wilson, and guest, printmaker, illustrator, and girl who makes remoxing. Okay, you're listening to the Home is Where the Art Is podcast, second episode on the internet. Um, we've got a great guest uh, this show. Uh, but before we get to that, just to some apologies. Um, you'll notice you've just heard my voice so far because Emily and Rory are elsewhere. Um, just not committed. Just not committed to the game. Uh, I'm joking, obviously. I know. I know Emily will feel guilty enough without me like teasing her for, for this, so I won't. I won't linger. Um, but they'll be back again as per usual next week. But don't worry. Like I said, there's a guest. You're not just going to have to listen to me ramble for 45 minutes. Um, we are joined this week by illustrator, printmaker. I don't know what 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 other things do you want on your on your intro, Ray? I mean, I yeah, that. I mean, I was thinking more sort of like banana bread demolisher. Oh um, yeah, they're, they're good ones. Okay, Chief I'll... snowman construction worker, <laughs> <laughs> etc. You did you did make a pretty good snowman this sort of weekend just been. Yeah, he was he was great. I had high hopes for Cuthbert. I went the next day and. Yeah, it wasn't looking good for him. He was like, it deteriorated very quickly. I think building snowmen teaches you a lot about, or snow people, I should say, teaches you a lot about like um, heartbreak and letting go and not holding on to things. I mean, that is what Raymond Briggs was trying to teach us all. Yeah, absolutely. So it was a bit traumatising, but enjoyable in its temporal nature. Yeah, um, me and Joe Marsh went for a walk around Acton Park sort of the day after the big snow. And um, we kind of thought we'd get to see lots of snowmen, but what we actually saw were like lots of little mush heaps. Yeah. And had been snowmen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like twigs awkwardly stuck out of the ground. Yeah. So you knew there had been a snowman there once. Yeah, yeah. We, ha- we made like a little mini one on the front of our house on the gatepost. And the next day, it was just like a little collection of twigs and then like a tiny carrot. <laughs> oh, the tiny carrot is like, yeah, that, that pulls your heartstrings. Mm. Um, I didn't actually bring you here to talk about snowmen, though. That is my fault. But no, this, this is, I think it's, it's good. It's part of the chat. Um, we're a podcast now, so we, we have to embrace the tangenting. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, because um, we haven't got segments and we haven't got um, little uh, cul-de-sacs that we know in advance where we're going to go. Um, cul-de-sacs. Like yeah. That. <laughs> um, so I guess um, for people who didn't hear the last time you were on the show, could you give us a little bit of a, an introduction to kind of like your artistic practice, if you like? I know not everyone likes that question. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's fine. Um so I yeah I'm an illustrator and printmaker that's kind of my main thing that I I do that I'm known for I suppose um so I studied illustration at Glindu which is amazing almost 10 years ago or in fact exactly 10 years ago mm-hmm. ah that's quite scary um and yeah I've been having a similar thought yeah yeah god time flies so quickly I like still definitely feel like I'm like just beginning Mm -hmm. like I'm just starting out on this like 
murky path of art career um but yes no 10 years and so I, I studied illustration there and then I um had a studio in Liverpool for a little bit I'm just giving you my chrono- chronological background now yeah read your CV out to me that's fine read it out. um yeah I did that then I went to Liverpool for a little bit which was amazing had a studio there and then I went to Poland and studied a postgrad course in interdisciplinary printmaking which is a really big way of saying printing on stuff so it's printed on lots of different stuff um and then yeah and then I moved back to lovely old North Wales got quite involved in the art scene here and been really busy ever since and then did go for a little sort of tangential two-year uh stint in Asia (laughs) in the middle of that I kind of it didn't happen then I've just been here for like five six years solid no it it definitely happened yeah we went off for two years to China to South China and lived in a city called Shenzhen for a while which is amazing super inspiring and actually had a massive impact on my work as an artist so a lot of my uh artwork is influenced by that and it's very colorful and yeah it's become a lot more colorful since that experience I think it was it wanted to be colorful before like it was verging on that but it's now like rainbow on acid yeah like I if I remember rightly you did a a residency in the print museum there yes yes I did like oh yeah almost two years ago now how time flies yeah that was absolutely amazing so when we first moved out there it was strange because I'd gone from like doing so many um so many like workshops in North Wales and like like running screen printing workshops all the time in different schools and with group different groups and uh like community centers and just doing like a lot of stuff like that and like introducing screen printing to people like pretty almost like five days a week to going out there and like having to leave my my studio behind not having any of that stuff with me and that was really weird but luckily there was a massive massive uh printmaking museum in the city that we moved to and I just went down there I mean I say in the city like I'd heard about it and then when I actually went to try to get there it took like two and a half hours and felt like the middle of nowhere (laughs) Yeah, so like the, of city. Yeah, the, the print museum was there didn't inform where you picked to go. Was that just a coincidence? Uh, yeah, that was just pure coincidence. It's like the main printmaking museum for the whole of China. So it's it's just yeah, you just it, yeah. I really lucked out with that, and I, w- I went along there and couldn't find anybody to speak English, but like was so excitable and just like jumping up and down that I could see. To, to just like see all the all the amazing print works and see screens again and like the beds and the presses and like frantically try to speak to this girl who worked there in the museum who didn't speak any English. <laughs> she had no idea what I was on about, like using the translator on my phone, trying to explain that I was a, a printmaker too. And then left my business card there. I just thought like, they just think I'm nuts. No one's ever going to get in touch with me. They have no idea who I am. Um, and they did. They they like sent me a message a few days later. Uh, the director of the museum, not the director of the museum, but the director of like the creative engagement, like the learning bit of the mm-hmm. museum, the the learning bit. 
education bit, she invited me for a coffee and uh, asked me to come and run workshops there, which I did for two, like a year and a half. Yeah, so I was, was running workshops for them for about a year and a half. And then and then they were like, oh, do you know that we do residencies here, that we have an entire village? Do you happen to know that? I was like, um, yeah, I might have noticed that you've got like this entire amazing village that's sort of set up for printmaking and uh, the director was like well maybe you could come and stay it was like uh, that would be fine I have no problem with that whatsoever <laughs> but it was absolutely but like tried to play it cool but I was absolutely bursting with excitement and I did I went I basically kind of quit my job so that I could have two months off to just go live there and just play with paint and print <laughs> and I do not regret that at all. yeah that sounds wonderful yeah and it's like, is that, um, is that the point at which you started on your Dragonfly Girls series or did that come later? Yeah, yes. That, yeah, no, that, that came. I mean, it had been um, like the image of the girl with the dragonfly was sort of in my mind for a year or so before that. I kept like sketching this character uh, with the dragonfly and I had no idea what it meant. And then, um, uh, and then I heard this Chinese proverb that was, I'm gonna my terrible Mandarin here, but ting ting dian shui, which means uh, to touch the water like the dragonfly does, and um, and it was kind of like a metaphor for this like sort of gentle contact, but almost like a superficial contact, just like scratching the surface of something, and that's kind of how I felt as an outsider in in that culture of like wanting to know it and really wanting to lean in and find out more, but sort of being like outside of it looking in and and I think that's kind of that was like the feeling so I think the feet yeah yeah I don't really get too whimsical about it but they are quite whimsical pieces I suppose but it was kind of the the feeling and the emotion of that work came much um much earlier than the actual work like it took a while to sort of then try and work that out because we'd been there for a year and a half and I'd been feeling that way for a little while and sketching and drawing and and exploring things around that but the residency sort of gave me that opportunity to have a, a deep dive into it and to actually try and pull some ideas and images out of that feeling which felt so abstract and I think that was kind of because that's sort of the first time that my work has really been like that before because I think it's been I've been really interested in sort of other cultures and kind of like documenting things through my practice. But actually that project sort of felt like I was trying to represent something that wasn't tangible, that it was like this feeling and this sensation. And, and so, yeah, that's kind of what I'm still trying to explore now. But it's, uh, yeah, feelings are weird, man. Feelings, feelings are weird, man. That is yeah. definitely <laughs> true. Yeah, and actually it's it's funny because I think... Yeah, that work, it was so much about this sort of like longing for connection and this like longing to know something on a deeper level, um, not just like the, the Chinese culture, but I think a lot of things in life, like sometimes we feel like we just scratch the surface of, of, of things and of people, actually. It was kind of about this like longing for connection and feeling separate from things. And it's interesting now. And a lot of it, the metaphors in the work were about touch. Yeah. And 
like holding things and then things floating away. So that's where the image of the kites comes from. And um, yeah, this kind of like grounding and flying sort of thing at the same time. And it's funny because I think the pandemic has just made me, it's made me feel those feelings even more. Yeah. (laughs) But in a totally different way. That's exactly where I was going to segue to next is. Yeah. do you feel like that work is almost more relevant now kind of thematic yeah yeah I think it I think it has it it does have that it it feels that way to me and it feels like because I've done when I've done projects in the past it sort of felt like a like a project that I would just do for a period of time because I was exploring a a topic or a subject for like a certain length of time and then that was it and then I move on to something else and get curious about something else whereas like because it's this sort of vaguer feeling that I kind of feel all the time and even more so at the moment with the pandemic and I think a lot of people relate to that feeling now like I feel like at the time I didn't really know what I was articulating with that work and now it kind of uh, feels sort of more relevant which is nice because it, that actually through the through the work I feel more connected to other people so that's been like a really nice outcome <laughs> even though <laughs> the circumstances of that obviously are not great because I think yeah there's a lot of loneliness around at the moment and a lot of like feeling disconnected from things so I think I think that kind of lies in that's the underlying thing with the work is that there's sort of this kind of sad undertone to it I want the work to be really positive and vibrant and joyful but I think there is like a slight melancholy to it as well yeah yeah Yeah. and it's it's interesting for me like now that I see I have a lot more conversations about those themes that I was sort of I felt like I was just exploring in my work and now it's almost just like a topic of my everyday conversations with people are these feelings of being disconnected how do you feel like the kind of the sort of stay at home situation has kind of impacted what you're making but also um in a lot of the conversations that I've had with people it's also like what they're not making seems to be almost more of the focus like a lot of people have been taking this time for like for for research or for like downtime of some sort as opposed to like actual practice how's it been for you? Yeah, absolutely. Like I think I think there's sort of um it, everything feels kind of so stripped bare now compared to before and I was so busy and doing so many things and going to so many different places and actually for like a good chunk of my creative career so far I've been like moving around a lot and there's been a lot of like external influence. Mm-hmm. Um and it feels like that's kind of stripped back now. And I've, I've realised how how much of my inspiration kind of comes from the outside world. So I found, like, I don't... Because when I was living in China, I was just, like, walk to the, um, to the corner shop to get bread. And then I'd come back and I'd see, like, all these amazing things that were so mundane to... Like, if you lived there and if you're Chinese, you probably wouldn't even notice them. But like to me they were so vibrant and so colorful like so out of the ordinary um and I'd get back to the flat and have like my head would just be like swimming with colors and ideas and I have struggled now everything sort of feels quite gray but I'm trying to lean into that a little bit and sort of figure out try and find that 
that feeling of inspiration or that feeling of color try to find it from somewhere within rather mm-hmm. than from outside which is really challenging but uh interesting but yeah to be honest I've not felt very inspired now for a little <laughs> I've been struggling especially this side of Christmas has been like a massive creative rut I think and um yeah I, I think a lot of people are feeling that way as sort of finding it hard to feel motivated but I have been doing a lot of research and I've been trying to do like a lot of playing as well like doing lots of Mm -hmm. online drawing classes and just trying to sort of loosen up a little bit and experiment and yeah but that that feeling of like creative block and I'm a bit I'm a bit skeptical of creative block as a concept anyway but I I, yeah that's that's interesting can we like can we expand on that (laughs) a little bit well, I think it's really difficult, isn't it? Because it's sort of like the thing with creative block is sometimes you really just you just have to do you have to do it anyway. You have to just I don't yeah. know whether it's hard to know what the balance is. Like, do you when you feel that way, is it do you just have to like work your way through it, or is it better to pull back and do something else? And I honestly don't know. And when I'm in a period of like creative inspiration, or I feel like I've got those juices flowing, which is such a lovely state, rare state to be in. <laughs> um, I'm like, oh yeah, no, there's no such thing as creative block. You just have to like work your way through it, and you mm. come out the other side. And then when you're actually in that space. I don't know. I don't really know what it where where that comes from. But I think the tricky thing when you're trying to build a creative career, I guess that's the difference, isn't it? When when you're trying to build a creative career, you like have to feel inspired on purpose. Yeah, because so like the the magic of it is like stripped away because you have to force yourself. Yeah, because yeah. I've never done a sort of like a survey of artists to find out what their opinions are but I do think it is more common amongst kind of commercial illustrators for us to kind of feel like creative block's not really real you just have to do you just have to do the work yeah because you've got a deadline coming up anyway um and so like you might you might experience kind of like um that you might experience the work as a bit of a grind or you yeah. might experience it as something that's like feels process led and technical instead of like uh, emotionally led and sort of exciting. Yeah. But yeah, I don't definitely. feel like that's the same. Like I think that's the frustrating thing about the phrase creative block because it sounds like you just stop and don't do anything, and then and you just sort of um, I don't know sit on a hill somewhere and feel sad about how you can't draw anymore and I I think that when you like draw for a living you just don't have the benefit of being able to take that time out you've got to keep going yeah like it it just forces you to keep making things yeah I don't know whether that's good or not but I think (laughs) but I do think that that's more common amongst illustrators than other maybe kinds of artists yeah I think you're right where there is maybe more of a, where the kind of culture around what you do is a bit different and you get more time and space to kind of yeah. plan things at length. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe illustrators are a, a specific group that are kind of used to like having to turn things around quite quickly and so you can't really afford to sit and uh, <laughs> mull that much. But yeah, I've... 
I, uh, it's a funny place to be because you almost feel like, I, I don't know if you get this too, but when, when I get stuck and I like try to draw something and then it's terrible and I hate it and I'm like, oh my God, I will never, like everything I've done to this point is a fluke. It's all a massive fluke. Like, okay, it was quite a few flukes, but that's it. It's over. I will never do anything good again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah the the brain the brain is not helpful sometimes in this situation it's like I think even even if you've been doing it for a long while I think you still you still can't escape those feelings <laughs> yeah I think um I think because I'm not I've never been much of a perfectionist yeah uh, I'm definitely someone who's like if it's 70 percent good that's good enough uh yeah it's time to do the next thing now and sometimes that's definitely to my detriment like there's definitely work that I've made I'm like I should have took more time on that (laughs) that could have been better I know I'm capable of something better than that but also it it does kind of mean that like I have fewer of those conversations with myself Mm -hmm. where I'm like this is terrible why are you terrible because yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, well, that's only me at 70% capacity. Imagine if I yeah. was trying. <laughs> Imagine if I was trying. Oh, I like that. That's a good way to approach it. <laughs> I think, yeah, perfectionism, I, I don't know who I'm quoting now, but perfectionism is the enemy of creativity at times. Cause... It depends so much on what you're going for. But I think I'm lucky in a way in that, like, the art I'm interested in making the most is not just not very, like, it's not realistic. Yeah, not like um and it's not especially process led like most of the time I just want to draw some people in with nice hair um, (laughs) with a slogan on it like it's Mm -hmm. yeah and it's not very like complicated in that sense and then like anything that I do that doesn't fit that mold is much more brief driven and it's much more Mm -hmm. about like um the information the project's got to convey or something yeah yeah I think you're right and uh, I was talking to somebody about this the other day and actually so I was um trying to like show people like all the different ways that you can uh draw people basically Mm -hmm. and how like one of the like big hang-ups a lot of people have when they start out in drawing is that they try to depict things like too realistically Mm -hmm. (laughs) and almost feel like sometimes if that's your objective then you're kind of destined to fail (laughs) and uh yeah and I just like can't imagine being somebody that like their entire practice was around wrapped up around like something being really really realistic (laughs) because you've got a very like clear metric of like whether it's working or not whereas if you're like doing stuff that kind of looks like a kid's drawing it anyway (laughs) <laughs> yeah which is like sort of get away vibe that is my favorite vibe yeah um, but <laughs> yeah you. like it's not that it's not a, a valid pursuit or whatever to yeah. draw hyper realistically yeah but um no not at all it's amazing I'm always in awe of it but I just feel like when if if you were like drawing a portrait of something you're trying to be super super realistic and there's something not right that, that yeah, must it gives be the torture. Away, gave away very quickly very quickly like you could have 90% of it like mm-hmm. a portrait 90% of it was like absolutely like bang on like absolutely photorealistic and then you've got like the eyebrow wrong and you can just tell straight away and that must be infuriating I think those people are like 
I don't know, maybe maybe there's something in it that like self torture of like <laughs> trying to get something so much like something else. Amazing though. Yeah, so a little bit ago you'd mentioned doing um Zoom drawing classes and things. And I thought yeah. that, that might be the best segue I'm gonna get for talking about girls who make. Ah. Yes, um, let's go with that. Yeah. Um, I mean it, girls who make is is definitely not a uh drawing class on zoom i mean it no, could be it's not, it's not but like you can you can see the parallel i was trying to go yes through, hopefully yes no. um, that idea of like the creative community that you yeah. can kind of, um learn skills from more informally and yeah hang out with um could you could you like give us a little bit of a an introduction to girls who make for someone who's not familiar with it yeah so girls who make kind of came about I can't remember what year now a while ago it feels like three or four years ago and it was um actually came about because there were there seemed to be like a quite a supportive creative community on Instagram which I think Instagram is amazing for and like mm-hmm. there seemed to be sort of a a, a gang of my oh, gang is not the right word but like a group of uh, people who were like constantly commenting on each other's posts or supporting each other when they were putting their creative endeavors out there and there just seemed to be like a lot of like nice positivity and and I think Instagram's kind of that is that place that sort of nurtures that like championing of each other and like, yeah. like even strangers actually sort of really opened up like just being quite supportive of, of strangers and telling people that you like their stuff and uh, I guess being a lot more generous and open with um yeah, with feedback and stuff. And, and that seems to be emerging um, between, like, various people that I only knew on, on Instagram and on Facebook. And and it almost felt like I knew these people already, but that we'd never actually met in real life, even though we didn't live that far away. So um, it was Luca's idea that maybe we should actually get together in, like, a physical space and hang out, which sounds kind of a, like a foreign concept now that yeah. we're all just online all the time but um but yeah basically to like actually get together in like a physical space and hang out and talk about what we were up to uh arts and crafts passions and just like just to have a bit of a social because I think there's maybe for people like that who maybe tend to be a little bit more kind of intro- creative people do tend to be slightly more introverted as a generalization and maybe like aren't hanging out in the pub in the same way that um that normal people are <laughs> it's definitely not what I mean normal people I the norms. I, I was trying to think of a different phrase there as well because we don't mean normal people the muggles <laughs> no that's worse somehow I know um <laughs> I know I'm just like but yes yeah, anyway like just the, like a, pl- a place for us to like actually hang out that was like nice and just chat and just make stuff together and that's kind of what it was and we just thought we had the first one and we thought that it was going to be like just a couple of people just us and our mates and then loads of like words spread quite fast within Wrexham which was great and uh, I think at the second one we had like, we had to move into a bigger venue after well the first one was supposed to be in bank street i think on yeah. king street coffee and oh gosh yeah it never capacity of like 
eight people. Uh, yeah, we really didn't think anyone would come. And then very quickly, we kept getting loads of messages on Instagram and stuff and thinking, actually, maybe we need to put it in a, in a bigger place. So uh, we did it in Oriel Wrexham and we had like 40 people and then it kind of just grew and then more and more people kind of found out about it and it got bigger and bigger. And then Luca started doing sessions in Chester flower cup and yeah that kind of was it carried on for a few years and then obviously the pandemic hit and we had to not do things in real life anymore and I think we've been sort of yeah a little bit slow of jumping on the online (laughs) uh the online stuff with it but better late than never and I think nobody really expected that we would be in this situation for as long as we actually yeah it felt like oh it's not not happening it's just paused until things yeah, back exactly. normal. but then normal kept not coming back to us yeah exactly yeah. and then yeah what I realized pretty much over Christmas was that I really really missed that and I think I because I'm not around people that much I guess you put so much focus and energy into your work sometimes life starts to feel quite serious when you haven't really got just like social stuff going on as well you just tend to like work all the time and then you only speak to work colleagues and things like that which isn't nice it's good it's better than not speaking to anybody maybe maybe um and uh, but actually that I probably because of that I probably ended up just like taking myself a little bit too seriously and just like taking getting like this creative rut just taking that too seriously and and just need to have a little bit more fun, I think, and see people. <laughs> um, yeah, so we are bringing it back. So the first one is, I'm not sure when this is going out, Heather, but the first one is going to be held on Wednesday, the 3rd of February, which is this Wednesday coming up. Yeah, so this is going out on Monday, so we're still oh, perfect. time. There we go, so this Wednesday. Um, and then, yeah, the plan is to do it every month from then on. And keep it going I'm very interested to see how many people show up because it's good it's funny on zoom things are weird on zoom aren't they it's like zoom's good for some things and then other things it's uh yeah it's hard to like speak to people individually when you're in a big zoom it is that is one of the drawbacks Mm. of it is you don't um it it feels like you sort of have the floor when you're speaking on zoom Mm. as opposed to being able to have a sort of quiet a chat with the person sat directly next to you and someone yeah. else having their slightly different chat on the opposite side of the table. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that, that is kind of one of its uh, drawbacks. And I guess, like, it'll be interesting because I've done quite a few different, um, often quite nice Zoom groups that are kind mm. of, like, creative conversation or what have you. Yeah. And they are good but I think it's hard to have that follow-through connection with them if you can't make them every week or every month, however however often they happen. Mm-hmm. I think what's nice about Girls Who Make is that because it's in a Wrexham context, like you're kind of continuing relationships with people that you already know or like will know going forward in a yeah. way that's often not true with sort of other groups that have been in where it's, it, there's something really cool like oh you're from Leeds you're from Edinburgh like whole people from all over the shop but um but it's hard to have that build into anything that's not sort of a 
either like a professional working relationship or just yeah. like you just never see them again yeah so I, I think that's one of the nice things about girls yeah yeah I'm really excited to see some uh see some familiar faces but also I I'm hoping that we do have some new faces I think what it'll do as well is it's because we're just doing the one whereas we had the Wrexham group and the Chester group before I knew the Wrexham lot much more and Luca kind of knew both um, yeah. from working in Chester but I think on Zoom the two groups are going to come together which is quite nice so yeah that's that is nice that sort yeah. of um cross-border connection but the advantage I guess is that hopefully it'll be more accessible to, for people that maybe wanted to come to the real life ones but couldn't because of like I don't know just accessibility issues or because of childcare and um and stuff like that so I'm hoping that maybe we'll be able to meet some of those people that have been like long time girls who make supporters and then yeah first time attendees so yeah, yeah be that'll fun. be really cool because because mm-hmm. yeah because it, it can be challenging because like I always had this like vague intention that was like oh yeah I'll go to the Chester one as well but the yeah. follow-through on it never happened for me yeah because there's nothing that will talk me out of a plan quicker than slight logistical inconvenience yeah um it, do, it doesn't take a lot for something to just suddenly feel like oh that's too much effort and I mm-hmm. can't do that um, that is the good thing about zoom isn't it like I, I feel like I'm much less inclined to cancel plans like there's almost no excuse sometimes to cancel plans on zoom than like with real life and it's nice because you can just like close the window and then you are just in your like house and you can go make a cup of tea and it's not like you don't have to inconvenience yourself too much yeah which uh yeah it's an advantage yeah and I was wondering like you might not have an answer for this I don't know Mm. might be might be too soon but I know in the past we've done things like girls who make exhibitions um are there kind of like any plans for projects that sort of go beyond the Zoom? Well, there's nothing in the pipeline yet because I think we've had such a a long kind of pause um, yeah. with everything with the girls who make. So, uh, but definitely nothing's kind of ruled off because I think it, we had an exhibition a few years ago and it was really lovely. And I think it's really nice to like drum up momentum and, and get a bit of excitement around a project and, it's nice for, to have something to aim towards as well like that, especially at the moment. I think that's, that's a good suggestion, Heather. You're, you're um, welcome. <laughs> that's why they pay me the big bucks. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that would be really nice to do something like that again because it is just so hard to be motivated <laughs> at the moment. And, yeah, anything that you can kind of channel your energy towards. Move over Grayson's Art Club. We'll do the girls who make <laughs> art club instead. Yeah, so um, so this is a, a suggestion that Ollie gave me last time we had a chat. Was um, I was trying to come up with like a consistent question that I could ask every single one of our mm. guests, um, so that basically, so I can make a lovely montage to um, promote the show at some point. Yeah. Um, and so the question that we landed on, and it's quite open ended. So interpret it in any way you wish. Um, but what does home is where the art is mean to you? So I've been thinking about this actually at the moment quite a lot because um, 
yeah, because obviously when I when I did that residency, I keep looking back at that because that was like a period of intense creativity mm-hmm. when I could actually like focus on a project. I didn't really have to do anything else for like weeks on end. It was just that. And of course, that was like absolutely amazing. But normal life resumes. And uh, yeah, a lot of the time we're kind of so busy on so many other things and like trying to make ends meet and just having to wash your clothes and yeah that's a hassle isn't it do stuff like that and make tea yeah and like remember to shower and brush your teeth and all of that stuff gets in the way I mean I was obviously still doing that on the residency I didn't like go the whole time like I'm not brushing my teeth for the whole length of this residency but I've been trying to think about um ways that I kind of can kind of like make like a residency mindset sort of thing in my head for whenever that is and and like I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier about sort of like uh, trying to make it happen on purpose because I think it's really frustrating if you like leave creativity and inspiration up to chance as lovely as that is when it happens and it feels magical it's it's sort of not sustainable and I'm trying to think about ways that I can like trick myself into getting into that mindset so yeah things like um and it is a physical space. Like I've got my studio now, although I've not been there that much this month, which I need to get back to. But um, that must—that is a massive help. Just being in a space where you've like actually got an art den and you've got all your materials, and you don't associate that physical space with other things that you have to do in your life. Like you can just go there, and it's like going and putting on like like a costume in a way because you're—I don't know—it sets you up for that particular activity, and it's like focus but some days I can't get there some days I need the internet more than I can get at my studio and just look logistically I can't be there so on and maybe in the future I won't have a studio or if I'm traveling like trying to think about how I can like trick myself into it so I think it is things like music and I'm trying to treat my sketchbook as well um as that place so there's a quote by one of my favorite artists is Karita Kent have you heard yes. of I love Karita Kent. She's amazing. She's this like screen printing nun from the 60s and she's brilliant. She's amazing. And she she made these like rules for life and art. And one of them that keeps sticking in my mind at the moment is find a place to trust and try trusting it for a while. So I'm trying to like keep that in mind of like trying to find that place and that place maybe not being a physical place, but actually being like in my in my mind or in my sketchbook um so yeah definitely headphones there's like there's a john hopkins album in particular that i like keep coming back to because i listened to it a lot when i was on the residency and it's so spacey like it feels like you're floating just like floating around in the ether when you listen to that it's like very like electronic and layered and i kind of lose myself in it so that's a really good I don't know. I almost feel like when I can put, I, I put that on and I can like trick my brain into going into that place. Yeah. Again. You've like um, almost acclimatized yourself to know that if that's what yeah. you're to do, then you're making. Yeah. And I think you can do little like mind games like that with yourself where you like associate certain things with like the creativity to try and make it happen on purpose. It doesn't always work, but I also find like, sounds really boring and basic but just putting a timer on massively helps me 
Yeah. Between you. Right. Okay. 25 minutes. I'm just going to scribble and not look at any phone or device at all. And just like put a timer on, put my phone on airplane mode, like put it in a drawer and then just try and like get deep into that thing that I'm focusing on. Cause it's so hard to concentrate, especially at the moment. I think it's even harder. So yeah, just like little tricks like that. And I'm this year, I'm definitely trying to make my sketchbook be the thing that like the place that I'm like trusting and calling home because um yeah what, I tend to what do thing? lots of things on loose paper and I'm not very good at actually having like a sketchbook so I've got so much crap around me that I'm holding up and this is radio so you can't hear you can't see those things so <laughs> so like in in your sketchbook then like how would you describe the contents of your sketchbook like what media you tend to empty <laughs> I was going to ask you, like, what media do you work in? Are you someone who um, collects things, sticks them in? Um, is it is it still sort of? Are you still working that out? Yeah, I st- I like I definitely have periods. I have periods where I'm like really into a sketchbook, and then other times where I just don't. Because <laughs> I I think my issue with sketchbooks is I like to see what I've just made. And like with a sketchbook, you have to turn the physical page and like then you, it's almost like you've moved on. And so just when I'm like working on a project, I actually prefer to have like lots of loose sheets of paper that I can stick up all around yeah. me. And I can see all of those ideas at once yeah. and then they can feed into it. So like, I think that's why I struggle a little bit with sketchbook because I'm like, because every, every time you turn the page, you have a blank page and that's really scary. Whereas, I don't know something about having things around you makes it easier but I do sketch on my iPad a lot more so I'm trying to like in a way I'm treating that as my sketchbook these days and then just like loads of post-it notes I just like scribble lots of things on post-it notes and have like drawers and I have like again this is a podcast but in my um pencil case I just have like loads of little I love this pencil case drawer post-it actually these aren't really drawings on the these post-it notes these are just notes these are just note post-it notes boring notes but um yeah I've got like a tin of like of those little post-it notes that are just absolutely full of sketches and in a way like it would be nicer if they were like a beautiful sketchbook that I could like flick through when I'm 80 but I kind of like that I've got a tin of chaotic yeah I think that's there's something very remoxing about that. Um, yeah, because like I've never really got the knack for sketchbook keeping. What I've got a lot of is five pages in the front done. Mm-hmm. And then like the sketchbook. I just never land on the sketchbook that is the right uh, paper or dimensions or yeah. something. It's always There's always something that's not quite right about the sketchbook. And I always go back to just putting a layout paper pad on a on a clipboard mm-hmm. that's just I think it might be kind of a bad habit but it definitely is my like go-to thing because I like layout paper because it's a bit naff mm-hmm. I never feel like you're ruining anything yeah there's definitely that I think that's why I like kind of the post-it notes as well yeah. is that sort of because for me like I think a sketchbook should be a place where you are literally you are just trying things out and you're just like scribbling ideas down quickly and exploring things 
and it not being polished and it not being like something that you're going to present to the actors at all but actually my sketchbooks like I've got literally a drawer full of beautiful sketchbooks that I've never used and they're all so lovely like the paper's amazing and Mm -hmm. I like make my own sketchbooks and stuff but then like you might do some drawings in it that you absolutely love and then you turn the page you're like what if I do something really rubbish (laughs) then I've like ruined the book (laughs) whereas yeah I know it's I wonder if I, I feel like maybe this is the thing artists never admit like well it's like I made when I was when I was in uni I made lovely sketchbooks but they were lies because what they were was beautiful sketchbooks with work I'd done on random bits of paper collage and like so it felt like there was flow and made sense and like all it was curated afterwards yeah yeah it's like and in in real kind of real life practice when no one's going to ask to look at your sketchbook, I just yeah. don't do that end end of the project assembly into something yeah. that you can flick through. Like the most successful sketchbooks that I've had, they're all they're, they're children's sugar paper scrapbooks mm-hmm. where all the pages are in different colours. Yeah, and they cost like ninety seven p. Yeah, because there's no fear about using them, and they're like fairly good for a lot of different media. So like. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just draw in them with like felt tips and crayons and stuff, and yeah, that like how that comes out. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think there's something about that. I have, I tend to like, yeah, have all these sketchbooks that I've like, made or been given that are beautiful, but I just tend to come back to like either post-it notes or just literally a stack of paper from my printer. <laughs> yeah, and there's kind of nothing better. At- than that um David Hockney was it David Hockney who said the best paper that you can use for art is the paper that's in front of you that's a good one couldn't argue with him yeah (laughs) the best sketchbook is the one you've got or not a sketchbook at all (laughs) but I would like to I'd like to sort of because I'd like to have something I think I'd like to have something when I'm old like actually an actual sol- solid object that I can like flick back through that's like a thing so I'm going to try and force myself with the sketchbook thing this year well. yeah that's sort of functioning differently though that's like that's almost more like a photo album of your yeah your memories of your process or something as mm-hmm. your actual process yeah that's nice though that sort of keepsake element of a sketchbook yeah yeah definitely well I try to um so I made like these really lovely like big sketchbooks with my favorite paper in the first lockdown because I just like couldn't draw anything but I love bookbinding and and then I like finally got around to actually starting one the other week and it was really lovely I was like right this afternoon I'm just gonna sketch like I'm just gonna I never do that I'm just gonna like have sketchbook afternoon and just like draw put podcasts on and just really enjoy it and I did and it was great but it I was spending so long on each, on each individual drawing. Like they were finished illustrations. Like they were, it took me like hours to do like one little character in the corner of the sketchbook. Which is really nice. It really, like I enjoyed it. It definitely wasn't time wasted. But I, I, uh, I don't know if that's like how. I couldn't really get over the fact that I wanted to make something like good that I could share on Instagram. <laughs> which is unhelpful because you can't really switch off then like, yeah you can't really like explore 
in that like uninhibited way that I think sketchbooks should be. I'm very jealous of people that like, like you mentioned Ollie before. I've seen Ollie's sketchbooks. Yeah, Ollie's very good sketchbooks. Yeah, really, really sketchbooky. Really good. Hmm. Yeah, I think that that comment you just made as well about Instagram is quite interesting. Like the idea that um, if you're thinking too much about how people will receive it on Instagram, it impacts what you're making. Because I... I don't necessarily feel like like if I've wasted my time or something, if I make something that's not going to go on Instagram. Yeah. But there is something weird about, like, I definitely have a hierarchy of how good something has to be in terms of, like, oh, this one's a post versus this one's a story. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. ridiculous. Oh, you're so right. Sense. You're so right. I did um, – I was reading an illustration the other day for um, – Oh, Santa's Dinwen Day. I've said that wrong. Deep, deep Santa's Dinwen. Kind of glad Emily's not here to correct my uh, Welsh right now. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I was doing an illustration for that and I was going to, because I wanted to post about it. And I just like, because I've been in this creative rut and then I was using some, uh, a new software, new drawing program on my iPad that I hadn't used before. It's like forcing myself to use it. And it was fine, but it just does. It just wasn't like quite as good as what I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely just put it on my stories. I was like, it's not going on the grid. <laughs> Which not gridable. It's not. It was not gridable. It was not. Grid- but then I like I've shelved it. So my thing is that like I'll improve it as I get better with the software and like figure out how to do things. Because it was like because I switch from using Procreate to using Fresco, and uh. If I'd have done it in Procreate, I feel like I would have got it exactly how I wanted it to. But because I was using Procreate and there's like different brushes, I don't know them that well. Like it just wasn't where. Yeah. When you get comfortable with a specific software, it can be really difficult to jump to anything else because there's a predictability that comes with the results of always using the same software. Yeah. And I think I got a little bit safe because I've been drawing on like nothing but my iPad for the past two and a half years since I got it and just drawing on Procreate which I love um but I kind of know what I'm gonna like it's always a challenge because every illustration is like a new new illustration new thing that you're drawing it's like never exactly the same but I I perhaps had got a little bit safe with it which is why I was trying to force myself to use fresco but then you like you're naive to the fact that it just feels wrong it feels like cooking in, in someone else's kitchen or something like just it's like almost there like you know you know everything's there you know the salt and pepper's somewhere but you just can't like the workflow's just wrong you're going to the wrong cupboards analogy changing art software is exactly like (laughs) someone else's kitchen yeah like you'll get to the same like you probably get to a similar outcome like the stir fry might taste slightly different but it'll be similar but it might just take you a lot longer and be a lot less like... Yeah, because instead of just knowing, like, the spoons are in this drawer, <laughs> open exactly. three drawers looking for spoons where you find where yeah. they are. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. So, yeah. So, I'm, I'm anyway, if... Uh, watch this space. I said that I would, like, get it finished by... By, say, David's Day, I'll have figured out the software. But actually put it on the grid. <laughs> So, we are coming up to the end of the show now. Really? Yeah, it goes quick, doesn't it? It does go quick. Um, 
if people wanted to see your grid, where should they go? <laughs> uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, not really on TikTok yet. I keep hearing how like TikTok's the place to be. Like, should I be on TikTok? You on TikTok has? I I'm on TikTok. I don't post anything on TikTok. I use no. TikTok to yeah. um, waste half an hour yeah. of my life and not know. So how enjoyable. It. There's it's so... really great. Like I, yeah. I can't believe how slow I was to get on the TikTok no. train, and that it took lockdown for it to happen for me. There is some yeah. immaculate content on TikTok. There really is. It's juicy. <laughs> I need to like. I think I'm gonna give into it. But it's funny. I know we're like closing up the show, so I won't go off on too big a tangent. But when we lived in China, like we saw people on TikTok all the time on the metro, but it wasn't called TikTok. They call it Douyin. And like I didn't know that it it was here. I just thought it was like this really niche, like not niche because there's like however many billion people in China. But um, I just thought it was like a really specific Chinese thing. But like, so I downloaded it on my phone. And it was amazing because you could see like all these like people in the like remote villages up in the mountains and they would be posting TikToks about like how they cooked dinner and stuff. And it was like absolutely fascinating. And it's like funny that now we have the same thing, but for like how to, I don't know, cut your fringe with a razor. So, anyway, um, I can't remember what you said. Oh, how to find me. That was it. That's the one. Not TikTok then yet. Um, Instagram.com slash Remoxone and Remoxone.com and Twitter. Not big on Twitter. Not much happening on Twitter. Twitter.com slash Remoxone. And girls who make us on Instagram too. If you search for girls who make. Fantastic. Nice and straight. Sorry, I like that. That was dramatic pausing on girls to me. I thought I was gonna burp. <laughs> girls who make. Yeah, I didn't burp. I just said it weird. Fantastic. So make sure you check out all of Ruth's stuff there. Um, if you want to follow Home is Where the Art is, we are also on Instagram. Uh, I'm gonna mess up the letters because I do every time Emily's not here to do them for me. But it is at H I. W-T-A-I-1. Who tie? Who I always read it as who tie. Okay. <laughs> I see you. Sorry. That's great. I love Hutai. that. That's us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. We are still Home is Where the Art is Callum FM for the time being. Um, and you can also email us if you want to get in touch with the show. Um, recommend a guest to us. Volunteer yourself as a guest. Um, ask us questions um, part of me still secretly wants this to be an agony ant column so like <laughs> tell me what your problems are so I can talk about it on a podcast so do that uh, that is the same letters again um, h-i-w-t-a-i show inquiries at gmail.com you can join us on the show next week where we'll be speaking to artist Manon Emmanuel fellow tea powder um about her arts practice uh like i said emily and rory will be back with us next week so on three we are gonna say our goodbyes one two three bye Goodbye. <laughs> huge thanks again to re moxon for joining me on the show this week uh make sure that you subscribe you can get us on google podcasts spotify whole bunch Oh! <laughs>